Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. A tragedy is unfolding in San Francisco. Laguna Honda Hospital, home to hundreds of the most marginalized people in the city, may have to close its doors. The Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services investigated the nursing facility after two patients overdosed and decided that it did not meet their standards. The payments that federal agency makes represent the vast majority of its budget. So now the facility is fighting for its existence. Losing Laguna Honda would do huge damage to San Francisco, but it also can't keep operating the way it has, as its own physicians and others have been warning for years about mismanagement at the facility. We'll try to get some answers to this very bad situation after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. How does the city care for its elders? In San Francisco, for some time, the biggest answer was Laguna Honda Hospital, which served as a public-skilled nursing facility. These places are supposed to support older residents who require serious care. But in 2004, a city audit found that some younger people with mental health and substance use problems were being stashed at San Francisco General in beds designated for acute treatment. Those people began to be transferred to Laguna Honda. And so you ended up with two different populations served inside the same facility very old people with mostly physical ailments, and a cohort of much younger people with different problems. Two marginalized groups usually ignored by society, but with very different needs. Despite problems and scrutiny and occasional scandal, this situation held for years. There simply aren't enough places for people in either group to go. And then the federal agency, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, known as CMS, ruled that they would no longer pay for treatment at Laguna Honda. That decertification, as it's known, required that the hospital make a plan to transfer every patient out. Of roughly 700 people, 50 have been transferred. The hospital administration are clearly not going to get everyone out in time by September, which is the nominal deadline. It's possible Laguna Honda will be recertified between now and then, but it's not a sure thing. This is a complex situation, but the stakes for the patients and for the city could not be higher. Joining us first to talk about what's happening and who's responsible, we're joined by Roland Pickens, director of the San Francisco Health Network. It's got 13 clinics in San Francisco. Roland is also the interim CEO of Laguna Honda Hospital, and he's representing San Francisco Department of Public Health and the hospital, but speaking more on behalf of the hospital. Welcome to the show, Roland. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. We're also joined by Mirna Melgar. Uh, San Francisco Supervisor for District 7, Laguna Honda, is in her district, of course. Welcome, Supervisor Melga. 
Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Roland Pickens, let's go right to the point here. From your perspective, what went wrong to get us to this point? Well, thank, thank you so much for that question and for this opportunity to represent the hospital and the Department of Public Health. Uh, as you can imagine, um, our residents' health and well-being are our highest priority. And as you mentioned in your opening, Laguna Honda is a jewel. Uh, no other city or county in the nation uh, has expressed its commitment to those of its citizens needing skilled nursing and long-term care. Uh, unfortunately, we're in this incident, uh, as you also mentioned in your opening, uh, there were uh, a series of um, investigations by the state of California on behalf of CMS that were initiated by those two overdoses that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, as you know, in a skilled nursing facility, uh, it's also the resident's home. And accordingly, for those residents who have the ability to go in and out, uh, they can go out into the community to visit relatives, do banking, shopping, whatever they want to do. Uh, but then they come back home to Laguna. Uh, and in the case of those two residents, they'd actually gone out into the community and unfortunately used drugs while they were out and came back to Laguna uh, and suffered, uh, thankfully, non-fatal overdoses. The staff were able to reverse them. Uh, but that set off a series of um, uh, regulatory investigations. We're going to report those incidents to the state as we were obligated to. Uh, and as the state came out, uh, they made findings. Laguna did their usual uh, of producing a corrective action plan, which the state approved on behalf of the state and CMS. Uh, but then uh, in subsequent, in, uh, subsequent uh, regulatory investigations, uh, they found uh, other items. Uh, mm -hmm. And unfortunately, uh, the clock ran out uh, because typically the things that they found uh, that led to the decertification, for example, problems with uh, 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 staff using protective personal equipment, PPE, you know, mm -hmm. gloves, masks, those things are normally things that when we find them and when regulators find them, we're able to uh, submit a corrective action plan to, you know, re-educate staff train them again on how to use these things. But unfortunately, uh, there was a six-month time clock that ran out. Mm -hmm. And so we weren't able to fix them and thus led to the decertification. Roland, do you think the CMS determination to decertify was fair to your facility? Well, no, I don't think it was fair. Uh, however, I think CMS, the findings that they made were, were, were true and accurate. Uh, when they came, particularly for that last survey, you know, they saw cases of uh, where uh, we were not following uh, our policies, particularly when it comes to uh, hygiene. Uh, so, you know, they saw uh, cases uh, where staff were not wearing gloves when they were supposed to or were wearing gloves when they were not supposed to. Um, you know, they found, um, you know, again, these are things that happen in, in just about every healthcare facility, not only skilled nursing facilities, but the difference this time was the clock had run out on Laguna mm -hmm. and there simply wasn't time to correct them uh, before the decertification happened. Yeah. Uh, Supervisor Melgar, I wanted to bring you into the conversation. What do you think has gone wrong with Laguna Honda? Well, I don't I cannot say it better than uh, Mr. Pickens. Um but I will say that uh, for my perspective, you know, mm -hmm. I represent these folks. Uh, mm -hmm. They live in my district. <clears throat> they are, uh, I'm accountable to them. And so 
for me, the worry is uh, there are two different processes, right? There's the recertification, but then there's the closure plan that we are being forced to uh, undertake. Um, and that is where uh, my uh, constituents are most affected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, in terms of uh, CMS's expectation that we relocate folks, um, we know that these are frail elderly folks and the scientific evidence tells us that when you um, evict, relocate, uh, or change the lives of folks who are frail and elderly, their health will suffer. Mm. And I cannot uh, live with that. <laughs> you mm. know, I think that folks deserve uh, a due process and uh, they deserve to um, have stability um, and they deserve to stay put while we go through the process of recertification. Mm-hmm. And we're also, just so you know, we're definitely going to talk about later in this hour with patient advocates, you know, the rights of, of the people who are in Laguna Honda. And, and people who are worried about them. Um, I do want to ask you, um, Roland Pickens, what's the status on those transfers? Like how many people have been moved? Are, are you trying to make that deadline in, in September to get everybody moved out? Hi, Alexis. Thanks. Uh, absolutely. We are trying our best. And um, just to give you some updated numbers uh, through um July 17th, we're up to uh, 40 Laguna Honda patients have been transferred to other skilled nursing facilities. Uh, And an additional 16 have been discharged uh, either to home or other levels of care. For example, um, what we call boarding care or residential care facilities uh, where they're more like a group home setting uh, and supervised. So we've um, discharged um, right now about 56 patients. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and of course, um, you know, that gives us several hundred more to go by September. Um, you know, we're not optimistic that we're going to meet that time frame, but we are doing everything we can. And in fact, we um, send reports every week to CMS and California Department of Public Health, and they are closely monitoring our progress Uh, And so they are well aware in terms of that progress uh, to just show how much we're doing to meet their requirement of this closure plan. We make over a thousand phone calls every week to skilled nursing facilities throughout California. There are about 2000 skilled nursing facilities in California. Uh, We aggressively reach out to them, uh, trying to find beds for our patients. Obviously we try first in San Francisco then we try in neighboring Bay Area counties and we can then go out from there because we want to make sure that, you know, when when we transfer someone, we want it to be as close as possible to their home base, particularly because we're also, as Supervisor Melgar mentioned, actively working to recertify. And it would be our hope that once we recertify, many of those patients can come back to Laguna. Yeah. Supervisor Melgar, what will the city be able to do if the Fed's punitive measures continue? So, you know, the city, I think, uh, has to get some clarity from the Feds. Uh, Mm -hmm. So when uh, we signed this closure plan, the closure plan said that the city would make its best effort to relocate patients. We were not given a number of folks that needed to be relocated by. And so I think that the very first thing that we need is clarity from uh, 
you know, the feds about what we are supposed to be doing uh, in exchange for, you know, this extension that we've gotten on the payments for Medicaid. But I also think that, you know, it is uh, up to completely up to uh, Mr. Becerra, Javier Becerra at HHS, to give us a discretion to have a plan that protects the lives of these folks. Um, and so I think that it is time for them to not just provide us clarity, but also um, do it with an eye towards their mission, which is to serve uh, the poor and the folks who need uh, the most care. Yeah. Who's supposed to go get that clarity from from the feds, uh, Supervisor Melgar? Who's supposed to actually bring back that information and also, you know, keep this place alive for San Francisco? So, in fact, we are having a hearing about it at the uh, Government Accountability Committee on Thursday at 10 o'clock, if anybody wants to tune in, uh, because we are requesting that of uh, the federal government. And Roland Pickens, what's the federal government saying to you? Obviously, you're in more contact with them probably with anybody than anybody else. Sure. Uh, well, they were saying pretty much what Supervisor Melgar just um, um, uh, explained. They are telling us that we, uh, by virtue of their CMS closure plan, are obligated to move our patients uh, by that September uh, 13th date. Uh, and they're also telling us we're not making good enough progress in that we've only moved a little over 50 uh, and there's still several hundred more to go. When we've asked for specifics of, well, you know, are there targets or uh, quotas that would convince you that we are making a good progress? Um, we've not gotten a response to that after yeah. multiple requests. Roland Pickett, just last last question before we have to let you go. Um, do you think you're going to get recertified? Absolutely. We, brought, we, we have brought in the best of the best of CMS regulatory consultants, and I'm confident we will. Yeah. We're talking about the crisis at Laguna Honda Hospital. We've been joined by Roland Pickens, director of the San Francisco Health Network, a network of 13 clinics in SF, and the interim CEO of Laguna Honda. We've also been joined by Myrna Melgar, San Francisco supervisor for District 7. Thank you both so much for joining us. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more on this after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the crisis at Laguna Honda Hospital, which may be shut down in September on federal order. Still over 600 patients there who need to be moved to different facilities by that deadline. And Laguna Honda is trying to get back in the good graces of the federal government, which would allow it to remain open. want to add in some other guests to talk about this who've been watching this very closely. 
We're joined by Sydney Johnson, public health reporter at the San Francisco Examiner, who's written a series of articles about this. Welcome, Sydney. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Tony Chikatel is senior staff attorney at California Advocates for Nursing Home Reform. Welcome, Tony. Good morning. Thank you. And Jessica Lehman, executive director of Senior and Disability Action. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much. You know, Tony, I want to start with you on this question of how unusual is what Laguna Honda go is going through? Like, is this something that just happens all the time to these kind of skilled nursing facilities? Or is this like, wow, what happened? Oh, this is a once in a generation kind of event from our perspective. It is very rare for nursing homes uh, in California throughout the country to be decertified. Although there has been a, a noticeable uptick in the last year or two, but we're still talking um, you know, five or six facilities out of the 1,200 nursing homes in California. So that part of it's very rare, the decertification and the closure. But then you add in the elements that this is a county and city-run facility with 700 residents or at one time 700 residents, probably the largest nursing home west of the Mississippi. And uh, we've got a once-in-a-generation event here. Jesus. Um what about the nature of the violations? Like you've seen these reports about the things that happened. Obviously, there were previous scandals that, that predated these specific reports that were filed by California Department of Public Health on behalf of the federal government. What do you, how did those compare to other kinds of um, reports of this kind that you've seen? As someone who's advocated for residents of long-term care facilities for 20 years, um, I can say that the, our experience with Laguna Honda is one that suggests that it's a pretty good, pretty good place that provides better care than the average nursing home in California. Um, it's had its struggles, it's had problems, but I think some of that is almost unavoidable given the size of the facility and the fact that it's publicly run and the population that it serves. Um, so we were very surprised hmm. that the facility was decertified. It kind of came out of left field um, and has caused a lot of chaos uh, among among the community. And so we're very concerned. We're, we're still trying to figure out why exactly Laguna Honda was made example of. I, I think there's a lot of facilities in California that would be much more ripe for a decertification. Um, and it's, we're, we're still struggling with why it's happened, but we really haven't had a lot of time to focus on that because of the immediate concerns of the residents that are still there right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think about what happened during COVID in a lot of skilled nursing facilities. I mean, we had places that had dozens of people die and those places are still uh, certified. Um, Sydney Johnson, public health reporter at San Francisco Examiner. What the hell happened here? I mean, wh- why do you are you getting things from other sources that can give us some insight into why this has happened? Yeah, thanks. I, I think why is is really the million dollar question. But to really start to understand what's going on, I, I think it's really important to examine the history of Laguna Honda. I mean, that is really what uh, captivated me in this story and and why I think it's really important uh, for us as a city to pay attention to. Um, For those who don't know, Laguna Honda is the largest skilled nursing facility in California and probably uh, one of, if not the largest uh, in the nation. 
It opened up in the late 1800s to care for gold rush pioneers, actually, who (laughs) didn't necessarily strike rich. Um, It survived the 1906 earthquake. It served as a critical institution during the HIV AIDS crisis. And it really was regarded as a model during COVID-19. While we were seeing headlines and stories of other nursing homes um, having really catastrophic COVID outcomes, um, Laguna Honda had just six COVID deaths out of nearly 700 patients. I mean, that alone is, I think, something worth studying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so to kind of get to where we are now, um, you know, it, it's been brought up that the population has been changing for a long time there. Um, that actually goes back to at least as early as 2004. Um, the hospital and, and city of San Francisco decided to make some changes in the admissions policy at the hospital itself. And that really brought in some of those non-acute patients that you had mentioned, Alexis, Mm -hmm. at the beginning of this call coming from San Francisco General Hospital. Um, They didn't necessarily need acute care. And so Medicare wouldn't cover their payments there. And um, they were instead uh, started to get transferred to Laguna Honda. So over time, the population has really gone from, uh, you know, this sort of um, maybe what you think of as a traditional geriatric nursing home, uh, you know, elderly old ladies, um, to a much more heterogeneous uh, population where you have um, still that that kind of traditional nursing home population. Um, and in terms of needs, thinking everything from HIV to dementia, um, you know, people need help uh, walking, feeding themselves, getting dressed and, and using the restroom, um, to now also, uh, you know, younger population populations, more male skewing, um, people with substance use disorder. And um, so really, it's it's become just such a unique facility in the most recent iteration. Um, and that's on top of this already uh, really long and, and complicated history that mm. has been going on there. Um, but I, I think with all of this, what's important to note is that the overdoses that were reported in 2021, which really kicked off this latest mm-hmm. um, round of inspections, were not necessarily isolated. I, I don't think it's mm. fair to say that this is a, a frequent event at Laguna Honda, um, but certainly there have been scandals in the past, and there have also been uh, occasional instances of on-site overdoses that were reversed. Um, and so this is something that federal regulators have been, um, you know, uh, citing and, and uh, in mm. conversation with Laguna Honda about for a long time. Um, now, is what happened? Is what's happening there now fair and and the discharges that are going on? That's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the crisis at Laguna Honda Hospital, which may be shut down in September. And as you've been hearing, this is the largest skilled nursing facility in California and maybe in the nation. Uh, This would just be almost unthinkable to have to find beds for all these other people. We'd love to hear from you. Do you have family or do you live in Laguna Honda? What's your experience been? What are your concerns? You can give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum, or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. 
So Gene writes, the closure of Laguna Honda demonstrates a callous disregard for the health and well-being of the hundreds of patients who are being discharged. It would make much more sense to remediate the problems at Laguna Honda than to remove people from a facility that has been their home and safe sanctuary, sometimes for years. This decision to close Laguna Honda makes me wonder what the real reason is. Does someone have their eye on the facility and the land? I suggest folks keep an eye on how this unfolds. Um, Jessica Lehman, wanted to bring you in and get your perspective on on what's happening. You've been listening to the, the different things. You've been following this uh, for a while. What What do you think should be happening here? So I think this is an important moment to look at how our society deals with people getting older and having all different kinds of care needs more broadly than, than Laguna Honda. Um, we know from an AARP study from 2021 that about 80%, and I would say it's, it may be higher, 80% of people want to live in their own homes in the community. And I think so many of us um, believe that when someone has as physical care needs, medical needs, sometimes mental health needs, that the only way to do that is in a skilled nursing facility or some other kind of institution. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that's just not the case. And I think one thing we need to think about more broadly is what could it look like to have all different kinds of community placements for people? there's, there's one person at Laguna Honda who I know, she used to be a board member of Senior and Disability Action, and she has never wanted to be in a nursing home. Um, like me, she's been active in the disability rights movement. She was at the federal building in 1977 during the 504 sit-in uh, where people took it over for a month and a pressure sore landed her in Laguna Honda and she's never been able to leave. And she talks about just wanting her own space and wanting to be able to make decisions for herself. And it's complicated, right? She has a lot of different needs, but there's no reason that we can't be really creative and figure out what are the sets of supports that she needs to live in the community. And a third of people at Laguna Honda are under 65. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked to someone else there recently who, um, who is in his thirties, who's a, um, you know, based on his disability, can't imagine living in the community. And I think that's so common as people get scared, right? We have so much ableism and ageism that it's hard to imagine getting the support you need in the community. But there are, there are a ton of models out there. There are so many people with all kinds of disabilities who are living in the community with the right supports and services. Tony Chikatel, Senior Staff Attorney at California Advocates for Nursing Home Reform. So we have these, as has been mentioned multiple times on the show so far, we have these two different populations that are at Laguna Honda. From your perspective, is that a tenable position slash the thing that keeps occurring to me is, is CMS trying to send a message that using Laguna Honda in this way is not something the federal government is going to be okay with? I don't think that's a message that CMS is consciously pursuing. Uh, I think that it is a conflict for problems, or uh, I'm sorry, a recipe Mm -hmm. for problems Mm -hmm. to have these two very distinct kind of populations under one roof and being, uh, and being mixed um, in this way. Um, It's, it's very untraditional. Most nursing homes you have, um, it's, it's older 
older adults with disabilities, physical disabilities, and then a, a few with, uh, with cognitive problems. Mm -hmm. But we have noticed throughout the state that there is an increase in younger residents with mental health issues. And it is concerning because we think that the state should be um, providing alternatives to these folks, as Jessica's mentioned, other than institutional settings and nursing homes, that they're, mm -hmm. um, this nursing home care is very expensive and the state spends a lot of money on it. The federal government spends a lot of money on it. We think that it's sort of a win-win out uh, available. There's a win-win solution available. And that's increasing the number of home and community-based alternatives, which are generally less expensive than nursing home care and less institutional. So the resident benefits and the state and the federal government benefits. It's And it's it's been happening over the last 20 years or so where funding has been equalizing or moving away from the institutional setting and into home and community-based mm -hmm. settings, but it's it's sort of a glacial pace, mm -hmm. and it really needs to pick up. Yeah, let's bring in Deborah in San Francisco. Welcome to the show, Deborah. Hi, I am a mother and conservator of my son, who's a longtime resident of Laguna Honda Hospital, and he does not have a short-term memory, and he has some dementia. He does hardly communicate. He uses the word "q." to express himself. He usually refuses medical help like shots, dentistry, or anything like that, unless I am there mm. to help him get all this attention that he needs because he does not like to be touched a lot. I'm a 73-year-old senior. I take the bus and I work full time. Mm. But somehow, when I'm not out of town, I go there every day. And with my son having been there 20 years, the thing that I want to point out about Laguna Honda that even though I didn't think I wanted this, it is a family now to my son, and it is a home to him. And I look at around the ward, because I go there all the time, and I see all the coffer and all the people who have habits, and they have room for each other. And my son is accepted there, and he feels safe. Mm. And I think that it takes a long time for someone with no short-term memory to build up any level of trust or find familiarity and he has that now. And I don't want it ripped away from him to go away for maybe a couple months and then try to reapply to get him back in. And I watch the nurses. I watch everybody there because I go there all the time and I go at different times. I'm an observant people. And I find at most times the level is compassionate and thoughtful and completely respectful to the multiple languages, behavior issues that um, are in some of these units. And um, I, I really applaud the care on that level there. And it took me a long time to admit that that place was now my son's family and home. That was a really painful thing for me because mm -hmm. I, I cannot provide the level of care he needs. Mm -hmm. But I do think Laguna Honda does a wonderful job and there's a wonderful feeling sometimes when you walk down those hallways and you say hello to the people you see all the time and now they go oh you're late today and there is a family that is created there and you know if you were to go to central casting and say give me a hospital of every kind of person that as close yeah. as you possibly could laguna honda is that yeah. place and and i i think it has um just a wonderful capability of embracing and caring for a, a multiplicity of people and it breaks my heart i i'm 
it's terrifying to me. I'm terrified I'll be out of town working, and I'm going to find out they want to ship him off somewhere. Yeah. De- and Deborah, he would get I- there, and he wouldn't know where he w- Sorry. I'm no, sorry no. I really wound up in... No, no, no. I, I, no, I mean, it, absolutely. That makes total sense. I just wanted to ask what you're going to do if the facility does close. I do not have that answer. I don't have that answer. I don't. I, I, I don't want him to be far away from me. At one point before he went to Laguna Honda, I did go and look at other residence places, which none of them could I afford. Or And I was shocked and horrified at, at what they were like. And I, I guess I just fervently wanted to stay open. And I, I don't want it to not get recertified. Mm-hmm. And I, I just really cannot see that Laguna Honda really deserves the mm-hmm. onus of this burden of what mm-hmm. I think has been thrust upon it. And I, you know, and because I visit so much and I, you know, my eyes are open when I walk around there and right. I've, you know, I've been there so much and I don't think they deserve this. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't have an answer. I feel like it's the end of my life if he has to move. I feel like it's the, you know, after years and years of accepting to see your loved one be themselves, but just lose some facilities. And even though he's ambulatory and he is himself, you know, I just fear he's going to slump over in a corner because I won't be able to see him as much, and I feel my visits are stimulating to him, mm-hmm. and he is stimulating to me, and I he will not accept a lot of care if I'm not there, yeah. and I just I find a terrifying is the word I use, and oh man, Deborah, I'm I, so I, sorry uh, you find yeah. yourself. This is just an impossible yeah. situation that that you find yourself in, and yeah. I, I appreciate you just bringing this perspective to us so that we can. I mean, this is the kind of dilemma that not just you, but hundreds of other families are are facing. And thank you so much for that call. We're talking about the crisis at Laguna Honda Hospital, largest skilled nursing facility in the state, one of the largest in the country. The federal government has ordered the hospital shut down in September. There's still more than 600 patients who need to be moved to different facilities by that deadline if they can't get back in the good graces of the federal government. We're joined by you, our callers, Deborah in San Francisco. Thank you. We're also joined by Sydney Johnson, public health reporter, San Francisco Examiner, Tony Chickatel, senior staff attorney at California Advocates for Nursing Home Reform, and Jessica Lehman, executive director of Senior and Disability Action. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned for more after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the crisis at Laguna Honda Hospital, largest skilled nursing facility in the state. May have to shut down in September, as you've been hearing. There are still hundreds of patients, each with their own story. We're joined by Sydney Johnson, public health reporter at the San Francisco Examiner. Tony Chikatel, senior staff attorney at California Advocates for Nursing Home Reform, and Jessica Lehman, executive director of Senior and Disability Action. Uh, Tony Chikatel, I mentioned earlier when we were talking to Supervisor Melgar that we were going to talk about what rights patients have. Um, if you have family at Laguna Honda right now, what are your rights? What can you do? Can you can you stay? Like, how does this work? Yeah, they can stay. That's the the short answer. The closing of a facility and the discharge of the residents is maybe the most procedurally intense aspect of nursing home care. That's highly regulated. Lots of theoretical protections exist for the residents to a safe and appropriate discharge. But the problem and our concern is always that um, these these requirements are under-enforced. There's a lot of non-compliance and there's a lot of panic, uh, both I think at the Laguna Honda administrative level and among the residents and their family members. So a lot of those, we're, we're afraid a lot of those procedures are being shortcut significantly. And residents are being sent in a very hurried fashion to facilities that are um, not as good as Laguna Honda, or even to places that are completely unfit to provide care, such as navigation centers, which is a euphemism for a homeless shelter. So the of the residents that have been sent out, um, I think uh, Roland Pickens said it was 56 at this point, We a substantial majority of them have gone to what I think are unfit facilities or unfit locations. And it's very concerning. So our message to the residents has been, and their family members, has been to stay and hold out and to use this really as an opportunity to find a superior placement. Maybe there is a home and community-based placement in the San Francisco area, the Bay Area, that would be better off for the residents. Um, Use these resources that are being allocated to finding a great location. But if that great location doesn't materialize and all that's being offered is something that's inferior, then don't take it because there's right there's both uh, uh, federal and state regulatory rights that apply to nursing homes. And then there's also landlord tenant laws that protect people from being thrown out of their homes without significant due process. Yeah. I mean, Sidney Johnson, uh, public health reporter for San Francisco Examiner. What happens, though, if people don't move and then we get to September and CMS doesn't recertify? I mean, this is like a doomsday scenario with families recently about that decision-making process or their decision-making process ahead of that September deadline. Um, the answer is that, you know, come September 13th, this potential deadline, uh, there's not going to be, you know, marching people out the door. Um, but, you know, this has really created a lot of questioning and uncertainty for what to do and, and really how to play this game. Um, I was just talking with one man who uh, actually has started a petition to stop the discharges uh, while the recertification process is ongoing. 
His mother-in-law is 86. She lives at Laguna Honda with dementia. She's been there for about four years. Um, And they, uh, you know, I should also point out she's um, fortunate, one of the folks there, to have family members that can actually research other facilities. There are many people who do not have family there. Um, As such, uh, you know, as as Tony pointed out, there were a couple people who have been discharged to homeless shelters. I, I know at least three have so far. Um, And so people are really trying to figure out, do we let our loved one hang out here and and just wait and see what happens? Or do we take this opportunity to take advantage of these uh, alternatives and and, uh, transfers as they come up? Um, So the man that I was speaking to who's deciding this for his mother-in-law they were given an alternative in Burlingame. Actually, the majority of relocations, as far as I'm aware, have been to San Mateo County. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he did some research on this facility. It's it's a Brias facility, which is uh, one of the largest for-profit nursing home chains in California. Um, and it's really hard to know much about this specific facility alone. Um, the county kind of certifies it in an umbrella with a couple other uh, medical facilities. Um, but, you know, there is some stories about worker strikes that have happened there during COVID. And, and the owner um, of the chain definitely has had some challenges associated. The Washington Post uh, did a large investigation looking at this uh, company and, and saw that they were spending public money such as COVID really funds on companies with connections to the owners and, and mm-hmm. suppliers. Um, so there's there's a lot of concern there. And um, I, I think some of that concern is valid. Yeah. There was uh, actually two folks who have been discharged already passed within a few days of their relocation. Um, and that's really tragic. And it's hard to say, you know, if... That would have happened, you know, depending on where they were mm-hmm. transferred. But I think that that is really a fear yeah. that a lot of people are are uh, experiencing right now. Let's bring in uh, Joe in San Francisco. We believe he may be the person who created the petition that you're talking about. Joe, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm also a healthcare consultant, and I've also assisted a large healthcare provider. Uh, to successfully navigate a CMS audit. Mm. Um, And I do want to highlight that issue of transfer trauma. That's probably the most important issue right now. Um, As as, uh, as Sydney said, two people have already died, so it's definitely not a hypothetical anymore. Uh, I visit Laguna Honda quite often, and I've spoken to the staff uh, very recently. There's a high level of anxiety that's being, um, you know, they're they're currently very concerned about the the quality of care, that it's not being considered during this transfer process. Uh, The two that died were very frail. Unfortunately, they were very aware of this situation. Uh, One was 102 years old. Uh, Her last days were very traumatic because of the CMS policy. Uh, they have a four-level scale uh, that they're using to prioritize the residents for transfer. Uh, it only assesses the level of care required, but it doesn't assess their level of vulnerability. Mm. So the San Francisco Department of Public Health needs to cease this transfer program immediately and reassess every patient to ensure that they are not at risk of transfer trauma. Uh, Joe, um, if they do that, do they then risk their recertification, though? Well... That's a big issue. It's also a key point. Uh, it's a political situation right now. Uh, the San Francisco, San Francisco Department of Public Health cannot anger CMS. They have to work with them. Mm-hmm. So they have to navigate this thin line between them and the public. And so they can't say even what they're going to do after September 13th. Yeah. 
Um, Joe, thank you uh, so much for that call and for that uh, additional context. I really appreciate that. I, I want to I'm going to go right to our next caller, uh, Teresa, in San Francisco. Welcome, Teresa. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, yeah, sure can. Go ahead. Yeah, hi. Yeah, my name's uh, Teresa Palmer. I'm a physician. I actually worked at Laguna Honda between 1989 and 2004. And um, the fact is the Laguna Honda isn't going to shut down in mid-September. CMS is going to stop paying right. in September. Um, but um, if uh, the city really has faith that Laguna Honda will be recertified, and there certainly are good faith efforts being made, um, the city could prevent deaths from transfer by footing the bill for those patients. It seems to me this would also be an indication of faith uh, in the institution and would be positive for CMS. Uh, This wouldn't be defying CMS. This would be supporting the safety of the patients. It's medically contraindicated to transfer many of these patients who are incredibly fragile. Um, many of them are what's, what we call total care, where they depend on the staff for everything. They can't move, and their families are devastated by the possibility of having them go to a um, uh, basically a bad nursing home, like the ones that are run by Brias. Um, these people will um, get sick and possibly die if they're tr- if they're transferred. And um, I think my guess is um, they don't want to speak up against their boss, but the doctors and the nurses at Laguna Honda are horrified and very disturbed at um, at what they're being asked to do. And my feeling is that. Discharges and transfers should stop. Yes, they can plan for discharge, but CMS isn't saying you have to discharge a certain amount of people by a certain date. In a recent phone call uh, with Laguna Honda, the CMS executive said there is no quota for discharge. Mm-hmm. And I think it needs to stop, and um, the city and the state and our representatives in the federal government need to push CMS to extend funding until um, the end of December when it is very likely that Laguna Honda will be decertified. Mm. No, I mean be recertified. Recertified, okay. okay. And, and this will save lives. And if the city is willing to say we'll fund, if there's a breach, we'll fund it, that's an act of faith in Laguna Honda and also an act of solidarity with the people of San Francisco who need those nursing home beds. Mm-hmm. Dr. Palmer, yeah, thank you so much. And I know you've been just all all over this issue for for a long time. Um, So thank you very much for that. We uh, have some comments which I want to make sure we get to. Uh, Mark writes, I don't think anyone has given a sense of what it is like to be in Laguna Honda. I've worked at UCSF, General, and the National Institutes of Health, the latter as investigator for an office protecting patients. Laguna Honda is an amazing place. After volunteering there hundreds of times, both in the old building and new, I find no more committed and competent staff, and I'm comparing it to UCSF and SF General. Laguna Honda, a hospital for the poorest of the poor, offers more psychological care per patient hour than the best rehab centers in the country. 
This one aspect of the Laguna Honda models a partial answer to homelessness, more psychological care for those facing mental health issues. Instead of closing Laguna Honda, we should expand its competencies and bring its experiences to the streets of the city. If we did that, we would have an answer for many of the people on the street. Victoria writes, My mother is a patient of Laguna Honda. Her name is Maria Tepayol. She suffered a stroke, and now my family is worried because she will move on to another institution. In addition, last Friday, she was moved by emergency to St. Mary's. I tried to call Laguna Honda, but nobody told me anything. Um, I, you know, Jessica Lehman, you've been listening. Sorry, I've left you sitting on your hands. What are you thinking as you hear these stories roll in? Well, I think individuals and families are faced with really hard decisions when it comes to long-term care. And, and often people are forced to choose between being cared for both physically and emotionally and having autonomy and being connected to people in community. And that can't be the choice that, that we're, we're being faced with. I really appreciate that last comment too about what is it like to actually be in a nursing home? And I don't think we are really hearing from people who either live in a nursing home or once lived in a nursing home and then lived in the community. Um, and we really need to elevate those stories. Um, we know from a, a recent study in 2021, and I think many other studies, that people live um, at least four years longer when they're in community. And no one knows exactly why, but there's a lot of speculation about the contact with people um, that you can have. So we really, it's a moment to look at not just what's happening at Laguna Honda, but how did we get here? Mm -hmm. We know that we have a housing crisis, right? And to have people go to Laguna Honda because they have medical needs or physical needs or mental health needs, and they don't have housing, that doesn't make any sense. If the problem is that we don't have housing and we don't have the services in the community, let's create them. San Francisco is a wealthy city. We have a lot of resources. We have a lot of smart, creative people. We can figure this out. There was a recent study from the uh, San Francisco Budget and Legislative Analyst Office that recommended a lot of ways to provide housing and services, including um, expanding funding for a lot of existing programs like home and community-based alternatives, waivers, housing subsidies, support at home. We could increase home care wages and we need long-term services and supports for all in California so that it's affordable to people. Um, there's a, a really amazing program in Alameda County called Oak Days that serves people who need skilled nursing. Um, but the people who run it say that the key distinction between that program and a nursing home model is that people control their own homes and they choose whether to have a care provider come into their living room. And that autonomy is really critical. And so for us to, to talk to people who are in Laguna Honda, people who are, who are in other nursing homes, people who are at risk of going into a nursing home, to connect them with people who are living in the community with any various kinds of disabilities to say, what does this look like? And how do we think creatively to expand the possibilities? Yeah. Uh, David writes, you know, we have a crisis re-elder care in the USA. There's no system for elder care in our country because we just don't care about old people. Unless you have millions of dollars to spend on private care, you are entirely dependent on family, yourself, or the state government's limited resources. Let's take one last quick call. Benson in San Francisco. 
Yeah, my name is Ben. I'm with San Francisco Long-Term Care Ombudsman Program, and we've been visiting Laguna Honda since the late 1980s, and know half the residents, almost all the staff. I want to make one point, that these nursing home transfers presume a kind of equivalency. But as we all know, Laguna Honda has admitted individuals with so specialized needs from Huntington's disease to MS, HIV, AIDS, that none of the other facilities historically would accept these individuals, Laguna Honda being a safety net facility. And also, the other thing to bear in mind is everyone, on, mostly everyone at Laguna Honda is Medi-Cal, and many individuals could be returned to the community if there were low-income housing, as Jessica said, as well as low-income board and care assisted living, of which there are very, very few. And I want to urge that any resident ha- can say no, as Tony said, and they can call the appeal number 916 445 9775 to file an appeal and say, I don't want to move. I want to be more selective. This place is being, I'm being told that this place is going to be recertified. Mm -hmm. Public statements from the administration have said it's not closing and I'm all confused and I don't know what's going on. So let's focus on recertification. No one is really thinking the place is going to close. None of the uh, workers have been told the place is going to close, Mm -hmm. and the residents have to transfer out because of historical mistakes as well as regulatory mistakes. So call that appeal number. Many residents do not have family members who are going to bat for them. The ombudsman knows almost all the residents, including many of the elderly residents. We talk to the family members, and we are free to take any kind of concerns at our local phone number, which is 415-751-9788. Residents have choice. They have a choice to say yes, and they have a choice to say a hard no. So, Call to file an appeal. Thank you. Thank you, Benson. Benson with the Ombudsman Program uh, for Long-Term Care in San Francisco. Uh, We have been talking about the crisis at Laguna Honda Hospital, the largest skilled nursing facility in the state. There's at least the nominal uh, possibility that this facility will be shut down in September. If you want to keep up with this story Reed, Sydney Johnson, one of our guests, public health reporter at the San Francisco Examiner. Thank you so much for joining us, Sydney. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. We've also been joined by Tony Chickatel, senior staff attorney at California Advocate for Nursing Home Reform. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for your attention to this issue, Alexis. Really appreciate it. We've also been joined by Jessica Lehman, executive director of Senior and Disability Action. Thank you, Jessica, for your perspective. Thank you. It was an honor. Earlier, we were joined by Roland Pickens, interim CEO of Laguna Honda Hospital, and Myrna Melgar, San Francisco supervisor for District 7, Laguna Honda, of course, in her district. Thank you to all of our guests and our listeners who provided their perspective on this issue. This is a really tough, really, really tough situation. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country... We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.